The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? (laughs) And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. With me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. Uh, gentlemen, it's here. It's the show that uh, everyone has been waiting for patiently for a year. I am talking about Propapalooza and joining us to help us break down our favorite season-long player props for 2020 is Mike Clay, an ESPN media personality. And I mean, Mike, you are, uh, you know, one of the best projection guys out there, best rankers in the industry. We've had you on the show before to talk about player props. It was a blast. I'm so thrilled to have you back on the show. Well, uh, two things. First of all, I'm not often, it's not often I go on a show and I'm intimidated by the people around me. You guys obviously are three of the best uh, prognosticators in the business. So it's awesome. I love uh, when I can go in and actually learn from the people I'm talking to. So this is fantastic. Fantastic job buttering us up. I mean, honestly, you could have just said that and uh, that would have been enough as a, as a guest. Your, your job here is almost done. It is fantastic to have you back on the pod. Uh, we've had a great stretch of shows. Evan Silva, Ian Harditz, Denny Carter, Matt Harmon, Mike Taglier, Graham Barfield, Jake Seeley, Dave Richards, Sigmund Bloom, and Chris Harris. So Mike, uh, you're continuing in a proud tradition of powerhouse guests. And uh, last week we put on our annual Fantasy 101 show. All of those episodes are great. You can check them out as well as our rankings and up to the minute projections in the Fantasy Football Cheat Sheet at the Action Network. Mike, let's get into these 2020 player props but I mean I have to say right before we get into them I want to ask you kind of big picture question about your projections process Uh, obviously you power the projections uh, for players at ESPN talk a little bit about your general process some of the stats that you prioritize and your approach to player projections yeah, maybe this is an idea for a future pod because we could talk about this for hours, I think, just go in, you know, into the all different variations that go into it. And I often, you know, I get this question, pretty much every show I do, I get this question. And I like to think of it kind of like a lot of branches kind of coming together, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of branches, and then they kind of meet at the middle for the final product. But um, look, the most important thing is volume. I think, you know, as, as guys, again, who are terrific prognosticators, terrific in ranking accuracy, you guys know, it's all about trying to figure out the volume and, and that's not all historical, uh, you know, uh, context. Some of it is, is following beat reporters and, uh, following the news and, and it's, you know, uh, projecting forward pedigree. If, you know, you think about a guy like Damian Harris, a day two pick last year, taking on a bigger role. I mean, there's a million things that kind of go into it, but, uh, that's number one, obviously is trying to figure out that volume and volume. And that's kind of the subjective side of it. You know, objectively speaking, you know, there's a lot uh, in term. Uh, there's a lot new in the last few years that we've kind of come across with next gen stats and PFF and and you name it. Uh, a lot of new data points that we can use to become smarter uh, in this game. And I'm really excited about the future to see how we can kind of utilize those data points to make our projection process better and kind of reduce variance. So, um, again, like I could talk about this all day, but in a nutshell, just it's a combination of advanced stats, the, the, you know, the stats that we talk about all the time that, that are uh, projectable forward and, and not quite as noisy as some others. And then, of course, that, that subjective side where we're just following the news every day and just constantly updating for w- what we learn. All right, I want to ask you a question about the player prop market and then get Sean and Chris's feedback on this. Historically, unders have been the, the sharp bets to make. Now, this year, I've noticed that when I'm looking at the market, I'm increasingly thinking that overs are bets that I, I want to make. Not, you know, like I want to make more overs than unders, but that there's just a little more balance this year 
than I've noticed in previous seasons. And I, I want to get your thoughts on what that actually means. Does it mean that this market year over year has become more efficient? Do we think that there's some sort of COVID-based uh, penalty that some of the books are putting on players to knock their projections down relative to where they might have been in past seasons? What do you think is going on with this market? Well, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, I use last year as a, a learning experience. You know, I have, ha- I have experience with props in the past, but not at that level, not like we're doing daily wager every single day and I'm going through props and, and basically coming up for information and advice on every single prop that was in the Caesar Sportsbook last year. So, you know, I went back and looked at that as soon as the season ended. I wanted to see how well I did. And I did notice what you said. I mean, a lot of the unders hit the ones. Uh, I think I did a lot of overs actually on this show last year, and, and those ones did not uh, hit as well as the unders did. So um, that was a learning experience. I started to, once once Caesars dropped their uh, next batch for 2020, I looked at those and um, I was, uh, I, I think I was a little, I adjusted my projection process to make sure I wasn't quite as aggressive with, uh, with certain projections in certain categories based on what I learned. And, uh, you know, I, I came in, I showed more unders than overs. So I thought that was probably a point in the right direction for my process. And then uh, a few weeks ago, about a, uh, probably a little less than a month ago, we did a show on Sirius XM. It was kind of like a draft where you draft player props. And I compared to DraftKings and I was like way on the unders. Like I thought their numbers were way too high. So um, I, so I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that. Maybe I haven't looked at enough books, but I've noticed that Caesars are probably the toughest ones right now. Uh, and that's, so I'm going to look at, we're going to look at a few of those today. And uh, I noticed the DraftKings still seem kind of high for me. So I still think you could kind of take advantage, but maybe I'm seeing, maybe you guys are seeing something I have not. I mean, there's always the possibility and, and, and Sean and Chris can definitely uh, back this up that I'm just wrong. I, I could be um, massively wrong on the way that I, I'm viewing these. And Sean, I want to get your thoughts on it, kind of big picture thoughts uh, of, of what you're seeing in the market right now. And if you do think that there's some sort of trend where uh, this year we might have more overs than we've had in previous years that seem to be the right bets. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that too. I think the market is getting sharper. There, there could be a bunch of different reasons. I think that, you know, maybe sharper people um, figured the season would happen. So there's there's been more sharp money, whereas more casual betters, a lot of people that I know just thought, oh, they're not playing football this year. That might play into it. Um, the, the more uh, U.S. legal-based sports books are, I think these types of markets will get sharper just because America is a country – has always been keen on fancy football and stuff. So that's going to be the easiest market for Americans to be sharper on. So that, that could be a theme. Uh, but, you know, I, I still do like the unders because there's always more outs to hitting the under. Um, obviously injuries, each position is different, but, you know, running backs, I, I project the median missed games of like one and a half to two. The, the markets don't factor that in as much. But this year, I mean, we, we have, you know, a positive COVID test is now part of the mix. So I think, you know, it's even more likely that unders are going to hit. And, you know, people love betting overs. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where it comes from. So when I think about betting an over on a yardage prop or touchdown prop, I like looking at these um, lead the league markets because you're already kind of needing a guy to hit on his upside, his ceiling. Um, so you might as well get rewarded for, you know, 50 to one payout and things like that. So, um, I, I typically look at those before I actually bet an over, but, but I, I did notice that there are a few more overs that I'm, I'm attacking this year. So I, I'm with you on that one. Raybon, I'm still clearly on the path of wanting to bet unders, uh, as opposed to overs, but just looking at the market, I thought there were a few more overs this year relative to past seasons that I thought were exploitable. Is, Raybon, is that what you are seeing when you are looking at the market? Uh, and if so, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, so I do see that the the lines have come down a little bit. It doesn't make me want to bet overs more. I'm kind of with Sean on, on this. I think that the way to attack overs is to just get a, a much better payout. Like why why make a, a 50-50 kind of bet on, on something that's going to be, you know, six months in the future where you're not getting a great payout anyway. So uh, I prefer those markets as well, but I do see, you know, a lot of these lines a lot closer to where they should be in my opinion. And it just, it, there's not as much value on the unders books are, you know, they probably suffered a little bit of a hurting with all the sports kind of, uh, you know, pausing player props are a really good way to kind of entice 
betters and get some get some square money to be honest if, they, if they're taking over so I think they're just kind of bringing these lines making these lines a little softer because you know it's six months in the in the future till you get paid out and uh you know as Sean mentioned there's just a lot more outs in the other direction uh, you know even though the median games played for most players is going to be around 15 uh, maybe a little lower for running backs there's so much downside if a player, you know, does miss, you know, you know more than, you know, go below his median or, or you know what I mean? So it's like it, you can go anywhere from, you know, all the way down to zero or, or one. You play one game and, and get hurt for the year, but you can't really get any better than, you know, 15 games. Your, your upside is only one game and the prop still has to hit, so your projection still has to be right. So there's just – to me, there's just kind of an imbalance in – uh, the upside versus downside risk of betting uh, on overs in, in terms of just the 50-50 props. All right. So let's get in to our 2020 player props, the favorite props that we have for this upcoming season. If you like what you hear, by the way, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. We would appreciate it. All right. Each of us is going to give our, fav- our, our five favorite props for the season and Mike uh, let's start from five and go down to one and then we'll kind of circulate. So Mike, give me uh, your fifth most favorite prop. Yeah. And I'm, I'm uh, kind of cheating here because I'm combining two. I'm taking the unders on Christian McCaffrey, uh, 1240, uh, 1,249 and a half rushing yards and nine and a half rushing touchdowns are the lines over at Caesars. I like the under on um, both of these guys and by a decent margin uh, actually, uh, look, last season, McCaffrey ran for uh, 1,387 yards, but of the 35 running backs, we're going to look at some history, of the 35 running backs who reached 1,300 rushing yards in a single season over the past decade, only 12 got to 1,250 the following season, which of course is his line. So that's one thing to consider. He's been over this line each of the past two seasons. I get that, but he had to play 92 and 93% of the snaps. Again, we were just talking about how hard it is to stay healthy for a full season if you inject some injury risk in there, not to mention the new Matt Rule offense. Perhaps he plays even a little bit less. It's going to be hard for him to hit these numbers considering what he does as a pass catcher. Uh, And then as for the touchdowns, again, uh, you know, 15 touchdowns last season on the ground, but he had a 10.8 OTD or an opportunity-adjusted Touchdown total, that's what the average – I'm going to mention it a few times, I'm sure. That's what the average player would get uh, based on the location and the volume of uh, his carries last season. And, again, some history during the past decade. 14 running backs had 15-plus rushing touchdowns in a season. That group averaged 6.1 the next season. Only five of the 14 got to double digits. So, it's just – these are high marks for a player. I'm not going to project a 16-game season. I'm, I'm with Sean. I'm in that four, I'm in that 14 to 14-and-a-half sort of – range is what I kind of work with uh, with my running back so uh, I just I can't go quite this high with really any running back yeah and you know one of the things I love about this market is that you get so much variability from sports book to sports book and it it highlights the importance of, of line shopping and the fact that you can find a line that you like out there for a lot of players so for instance at DraftKings Sportsbook, this line for Christian McCaffrey is around 1,150 yards. Uh, and so if you, you know, like the under on Christian McCaffrey and you can go to Caesars and, you know, get an extra 100 yards of cushion, I mean, that's, that's fantastic value there. Uh, Sean, give us your fifth favorite player prop. Um, so to be honest, I, I like these all equally. So just the, the first one I'm going to talk about is Josh Allen under seven and a half rushing touchdowns. Um, so I have this number closer to five and a half uh, in a market like this, two touchdowns is pretty huge. So, you know, looking at last season, uh, he scored on eight of his 11 rushing attempts inside the 10. That's absolutely insane. And I, I'm the first one to admit that Josh Allen is a above average rushing quarterback. So, you know, when you take a look at the average rate for a QB in that inside the 10 rate, it's, it's closer to 35%. Looking at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who I would consider the best running quarterback, he was 5 for 14, so that's 35%. I'm regressing Josh Allen closer to league average. Um, Again, uh, assuming he's above league average, uh, I have him closer to 5.5 total touchdowns. But this is just just one of those stats where I think people are just assuming he's going to keep up this touchdown pace of he had 9 and then 8. I I just think we should expect some regression in terms of attempts. Um, with Zach Moss there, he should be much more efficient than Frank Gore around the goal line. And his his just rate 
um, is just absolutely through the roof. It's going to come down a bit this year. So I, I love the under seven and a half touchdowns. And just for reference, uh, Lamar Jackson rushed for seven touchdowns last year. So this is a gigantic number. Uh, so I'm easily on the under here. I'm with Sean on that kind of going for these these league leader props. So don't like the unders quite as much. So I, my, my fifth favorite one, and I'll go with Josh Jacobs. Uh, I like lead the league in, uh, in rushing touchdowns at 20 to one. I think Jacobs is a guy who, if you look at how he gets used, right? Uh, he's one of the few backs in the league that can still get 20 touches and the majority of them still are going to come on the ground. And then you look at who projects to, you know, be in the backfield and active on game days alongside him. And it's, it's going to be Jalen Richard and it's going to be uh, Wynn Bowden, who's, you know, you know all, another pass kind of catcher guy, maybe gets a wildcat snap, but Josh Jacobs is not going to, to come off the field very often in the red zone. Um, so I think that Josh Jacobs uh, has a very good chance to, to be near the top of the league in, in, in carries. And, uh, you know, he missed 13 I mean, he missed a couple three games last year. So uh, he didn't score an inordinate amount of touchdowns or anything, but I think he has that, that potential. So at 21, I like those odds. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Okay, so I said earlier that I am leaning, obviously, towards unders, uh, just in general as a, a kind of philosophy of how to attack season-long props. However, for the five that I'm going to talk about in this episode, uh, I am hitting all overs, uh, just you know, to kind of uh, be a little contrarian, uh, and also to you know, for the people who uh, who like rooting for something to happen uh, instead of you know wanting to bet against something. Uh, you know, you can maybe maybe uh, get some value on on some of these bets. I'm going to be talking. I, about. I get it. Make us play the buzzkill role. You play the optimist. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> exactly. it's a friendly face on the show. Exactly. <laughs> normally, normally I'm the one who's the wet blanket. So I'm trying to be the one who's a, a little more rose-colored glasses in this scenario. Uh, the the guy who has caught my eye for the the prop I uh, like, you know, my number five prop here is Jonathan Taylor. And at DraftKings, you can get over 700 and a half yards rushing. I just think that that number is, uh, is far too low, even if you take into account the fact that Marlon Mack is there and that Naheem Hines is there, and it's going to be a split backfield. Uh, I still think that Jonathan Taylor is, uh, you know, even if we don't think he's an elite talent or we don't know for sure that he's an elite talent, I think he's clearly uh, an above average talent. And I do expect that sooner or later he will end up seizing uh, a pretty significant share of that backfield work. Uh, I think that this number should be closer to 850 or even 900, which sounds a little optimistic, but I just, I really do think that's where this number should be. Uh, And so for a number to be 700, uh, I just think there's a lot of value here. So that, uh, that is where I am leaning. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, um, Mm -hmm. but uh, if so, definitely I would like to hear it. Yeah, I I like that one a lot. Actually, I'm at 45% of the design runs going to him, and I'm at 873. So that's 197 carries. I'm way over. This is a high-volume running offense, and something that I don't think has been talked about enough, just really quick here, about both the Chargers and the Colts offense is – the change in the type of quarterback and how that's going to be, how that's going to distribute touches to the pass catchers. Because, you know, for example, the Chargers are going from a guy that never runs and never scrambles to one of the scramble heavy and sack heavy quarterbacks this league has seen over the past decade in Tyrod Taylor. That's going to take volume away from the pass catchers. And of course, the opposite in Indianapolis, you're going from Jacoby Brissett, who will run the football to Philip Rivers, who again, is never going to scramble, is never going to run, and it's going to just add volume to the running game and of course, to the passing game. So uh, I, and it, by the way, it's also a run heavy offense. So uh, a lot to like uh, for the running game. I think in fantasy, Taylor's probably been a little overvalued through most of the summer, but I get what you're talking about. I definitely agree 700 too low. Yeah, if I'm investing, I'm wanting to invest uh, in his player prop and not in fantasy for him. Uh, Mike, give us your fourth favorite prop for 2020. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, with an over. This is my only over on the list here. My only chance to play the 
the uh, the optimist role here. I'm going to go with a Travis Kelsey over seven and a half total touchdowns. You know, I think it's an overreaction, the line to what happened last season. He had six touchdowns, uh, but he had eight in 2017. He had 10 in 2018. Honestly, his number last season was a little misleading. It was unlucky. His OTD, I mentioned that earlier, was 7.9. That was highest among tight ends. He had nine end zone targets. That was fourth among tight ends. Those two numbers kind of fell between where he was the previous two seasons when he averaged nine touchdowns. Uh, we know he's never going to, you know, he's, he's always going to be on the field. He's going to be a huge part of this, this offense. Top two in snaps, routes, targets, receptions, and yardage each of the past four seasons among, uh, among tight ends. And again, we're talking about the Chiefs offense. Super pass heavy. That's not going away. And I have them projected to lead the NFL in points as well. So my projection, guys, is 9.3. It's a very high projection for any player. But if anyone can get there, I think it's certainly Travis Kelsey. So it's seven and a half. I mean, that's that's money in the bank. And also, they might hand it to him at the goal line, too. We've seen that before. So a lot to a lot to like about this one. Sean, I want your quick thoughts on Kelsey and then your uh, number four prop for the season. Yeah, I like the over on Kelsey. I haven't projected 7.8, so so not enough value to bound the over. But again, I think my Mahomes touchdown projection of 35.7 is pretty conservative. We've talked about it many times, but, you know, they have record-breaking potential this year. So I, I think if you bet the over on Kelsey's touchdown, you might as well um, also hit the uh, Mahomes over because they're going to be correlated pretty well. Um, so I, I do like the call. Uh, I think he's always kind of, you know, underperforming in touchdowns. And th- this year he could just blow up and score 10 plus. So love the call. And my number four pick is Cam Newton over 2,950 yards. Freeman, I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'll make it quick. But this is essentially, you know, game starter prop uh, over under 12 and a half games for Cam Newton. All, all reports coming out of camp seem to be it's his job. And now the battle is who's the backup, Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer. So, um, and I'm not buying, I'm not buying into this college, um, you know, quarterback rotation sort of uh, scheme. Uh, I'm not buying into that. I think Newton will be the starter and he will start over 12 and a half games, barring injury, of course. But this is, this is the only over I'm willing to take uh, just because it, it, it's, it's such a low line that it's essentially a game's play line. Um, and I'm wondering if it's a, mis- a mistake. If you look at their uh, page, they have Cam Newton's name all misspelled and stuff. So it could be an error. But yeah, I, I love the over here. Yeah, let me tell you, if, if it's an <laughs> error, it's an error that's been up there an awfully long time. So I, I don't think it is an error. Um, right, right. I, it, it's, this is just a line that they've had up there for months. So they're you know willing to, uh, to live and die with this line there. And uh, I don't think it's the, the only uh, Cam Newton prop that's off. That's, a, that's what we call a tease in the business. Uh, Raybon, what do you think of this prop? And then uh, give us another prop of your own that you like. It's kind of odd where they price it. I think they're pretty much giving you an injury discount. I personally just wouldn't bet it because I don't want to bet overs on things like that. Like I, it's just a wide range of outcomes for me. Um, he probably gets over that mark, but – I'm not excited about it. I guess not as excited as you guys. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 kind of going with here. Here's an under uh, Sterling Shepard. He has really um, never been a a touchdown scorer outside of his rookie season. And in that season, he had Christian. Um, excuse me, Odell Beckham. Uh, and they schemed him open on some inside plays. It, it never happened again. And he hasn't scored you know five touchdowns even since then. But his touchdown prop is five and a half. Um, I have his median closer to four. At, so um, I, I like the value there. It's, it's one of those low props that probably no one is going to touch. And so it's just kind of chilling there. But uh, I'm on that all day. And also I was looking at Shepard's uh, route numbers, you know, inside in the slot in his career versus outside. And it turns out that pretty much all of the touchdowns he does end up scoring come come inside. And he's a lot less likely to play uh, inside the slot because you have Golden Tate now. Uh, healthy, you know, not suspended, I should say, for the, uh, you know, to start the season. So Shepard's going to have to play more snaps on the outside. So this is a prop where it's one of the rare unders, I think, where like this guy could play the entire season and not miss a game. And and I still think um, his medium would fall short of that. Rayvon, I like that one a lot. Uh, I have him projected for closer to four touchdowns. And uh, part of that is just I'm a little pessimistic on that Jason Garrett offense as a whole. And so that that's maybe dragging down some of the uh, the receiving numbers for all of the pass catchers there. But uh, I'm with you on the under for Sterling Shepard and his touchdown total. A prop that I like, again, I'm hitting those overs just to be optimistic here. James Conner, 
I'm going over 775.5 yards rushing. Uh, that is at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, if you just look at what he's done uh, historically, uh, I think he goes over that number. Uh, I feel like I'm even being a little bit cautious uh, in terms of the the splits that I'm using. I am acknowledging that Benny Snell, uh, Jalen Samuels might steal some carries, but uh, I still think that James Conner is going to get around 200 carries. And I think he's going to go over four yards per carry, which is what he did last year when he was impacted in the second half of the season with an injury. Uh, and when they obviously didn't have Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback to, to help facilitate that offense. For his career, Connor's around 4.4 yards per carry. So if he's getting around 200 carries for the season, which I think is fair, uh, I think he has a pretty good chance of going over uh, 775 by a pretty significant margin. But uh, again, you know, overs, I tend not to bet overs. This is just one of the overs that I'm a little more optimistic about. Mike, I don't know if you have thoughts on James Conner. Uh, I'm a little under. I wouldn't bet it. I'm a little bit more nervous, I suppose, about the injuries as well as all the bodies they have in that backfield. Uh, and again, Benny Snell getting a lot of positive reports. So that's what I would stay away from. He, ma- he makes me nervous for sure. So um I'm not not too pumped about that. I just see the upside, though. That's right. You can you can disagree with me. It's I mean we will still invite you back next year, even (laughs) if you disagree with me now. I'm not betting. I'm at 752, so I'm a little under, but I do see where you're coming from because I'm at 178 carries. So if he gets to 200, you're right. I agree. He's gonna he's gonna hit that number. All right. Well, I'm looking at the sheet here, and it looks like the prop that you have as your third favorite is uh, one of the ones that I was thinking about before I decided to go my uh, all optimistic route. Uh, Talk to us about your third favorite prop here. Yeah, third on the board is uh, good old Baker Mayfield. This one is surprising to me because my projection is about 400 yards off from his uh, passing yardage line, which is 3,849 and a half yards this season. So here's the thing. Last season, he played pretty much every snap for this Browns offense. He ranked 10th in pass attempts in the NFL, and he was below this line, 38-27. That was his passing yardage total. So you bring in Kevin Stefanski, all indicators are this will be a run-heavy offense, just like Minnesota was. They were one of the run-heaviest offenses in the NFL. What did uh, he do when he got to Cleveland? Did he go get a third receiver? No. You know, what he did was he brought in a tight end and he brought in a fullback and he, you know, they didn't really even address that third wide receiver spot. So they addressed the offensive line, of course. So uh, I think they're going to run the football a ton. And what did we see from Kirk Cousins last season? Well, he was extremely efficient. I, you know, I think all indicators suggest he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL, but he was 24th in pass attempts and he barely cleared 3,600 passing yards. Again, that's well below this line of 38, 49 and a half. And by the way, we can't count on him playing every snap again, right? 99% of the dropbacks. I mean, if you look on a, on a, on a given year, how many of the 32 week one quarterbacks play 95% of the dropbacks? Well, it's about a third of them. I mean, they get hurt and the guys get benched. And he, by the way, could get benched. Case Keenum is there. Uh, and if he struggles again, and Cleveland's kind of hanging in the race for that seventh wild card, he very well could uh, could lose the job if he's really having a hard time. So for me, I'm at 34.54, 400 yards below this mark, an easy under for me. Uh, I love that one. Coming in with the fire of uh, potentially Baker Mayfield getting benched there. Uh, you didn't need <laughs> to go all take. scorched earth. But uh, no, I, I, I love that one. Uh, I, I'm with you there on the under. Sean, I want to get your quick thoughts on that and then get your third favorite prop. Yeah, I love the call on Baker under. Uh, again, this is uh, going to be a Kevin Stefanski run first offense uh, they have one of the easiest schedules, um, you know, probably the best backfield in the NFL with Kareem Hunt, uh, Nick Chubb. So, you know, I think that they're going to keep it conservative. Um, I think he'll be way more efficient this year and they'll be better for it. So, yeah, I love the under as well. So my next prop is Le'Veon Bell. Now, when I wrote this down last night, the, the prop was 850 rushing yards. Now it's down to 800, which would have been the cutoff. Uh, I still like it at 800. But, you know, he, he was under this number last year. Um, he ran the ball 246 times for 789 yards, uh, 3.2 yards per carry. Um, you know, th- they really did some improvements on the offensive line in the offseason. A lot of new bodies there. I think it'll be better. But I'm only regressing him up closer to, like, 3.8 range. Um, but as Mike said earlier, you know, it all comes down to volume in a market like this. And we're already seeing reports that Adam Gase loves Frank Gore which is arguably the most 2020 headline ever. 
you got to know the market, right? Um, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to dominate the passing down work. I don't think he's really going to split work there. But, you know, if they do give him relief, it will be in the running game. So I could definitely see Frank Gore eating some touches there. We have to remember last year it was just Bolo Powell and Ty Montgomery, uh, you know, carried the ball 91 times. So, you know, I expect Frank Gore to have – more piece of the pie. And then we have fourth round rookie, Michael Pirine. You know, he's the kind of guy where later in the season, if they're out of the playoff hunt, I wouldn't be surprised if they get him some work, especially given this year, there wasn't a preseason. That's when you'd want to see a guy like that get some in-game action. Since they don't have a preseason, if they're out of the playoff hunt by say week 14, I wouldn't be surprised if they want to see Pirine uh, get more work. So that's another out that I would say uh, favors the under in, in this market. And, you know, so I, I'm projecting closer to 700, 750 yards with multiple outs. So that's that's why I love taking the under still at 800 yards right now for Le'Veon Bell. All right, Raymond, I'm imagining that you are also uh, on the under for Le'Veon Bell there. But uh, give your thoughts on Bell and then another prop that you like. Yeah, I like, I like the under on Bell. I, I was looking at the under on his 1,200 total rushing and receiving yards too because – um, you know, even though I think he is more likely to be a, a pass catcher overall, there are still just a lot of outs because he could be inefficient as a rusher. The, the rushing yards could come uh, way down. Um, the, the carries could come way down. He, you know, he could get hurt. Um, he could just, you know, simply be, you know, what happened to Kenyon Drake that one year in Adam Gase's offense? I mean, he went games where he just didn't carry the ball essentially. And it was just inexplicable. So I think there's just a, a lot of, like, if you're, if you're betting unders, I think one of the first guys to look at is Le'Veon Bell. So I like it a lot. I am going with, for my next one, uh, a another league lead prop, and it's Cooper Cup. And it's to lead the league in touchdown, uh, receiving touchdowns at 40 to 1. Uh, Cooper Cup, you know, in what kind of people considered an eh year for him last year, at least the eh second half, still scored uh, 10 touchdowns. And – you know, you, you look at that and say, you know, touchdowns are likely to regress, but you look at Cup's numbers, and he has been uh, one of the top red zone targets in the league. Clearly, Jared Goff's favorite option. Um, 15 touchdowns on 48 red zone targets over the last three years. And even though he missed that half year, you know, he's still well ahead uh, of, of, you know, Robert Woods and, and all the other guys, if you kind of put them together uh, in, in that Rams offense in terms of red zone targets. And Jared Goff, I think can offset, you know, some of, you know, if you, if you expect Cup to maybe regress a little bit, I think you also have to expect Goff to improve on his touchdown rate because he only threw 22 passing touchdowns last year and he threw 4,600 yards. So usually you're going to see that passing touchdown number come back a little closer to in line with, with the yardage. And again, this is Cup is a guy who he got 10 of 22 touchdowns from Goff. There's major upside there. So um, at 40 to one, for a guy who put up 10 touchdowns last year, uh, I'm going to take that bet. We're going to have an opinion from uh, from Mike on this later. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but, you know, Rayvon, I, I can't say that I, I disagree with the logic. I think at, at 40 to 1, uh, there's a little bit of value considering how frequently <laughs> Cup has been, uh, has been targeted uh, in the end zone. So I think there's uh, – or at least near the end zone. So I think there's, uh, you know, some some – intrigue there i'll put it that way okay uh one guy i'm going over on uh and mike i'm definitely going to want your thoughts on this because it's very much a projection drew lock over 3450 yards passing now let me tell you where this is coming from uh i think that the denver broncos offense uh i mean obviously last year it was a travesty, three different quarterbacks uh, and an offensive coordinator who now is no longer there in uh, Rich Scangrelo. Uh, I think with Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator, we saw over the past four seasons with four different quarterbacks, uh, none of whom was really all that good of a quarterback. Uh, we've seen him have offenses that played at a pretty brisk pace uh, and threw at a pretty high rate. Uh, and so I think this Broncos offense is going to skew more towards the past than what we saw last year. Uh, and so I'm, you know, maybe just a little too optimistic on what that means for Drew Locke, who progressing from year one to year two, I think could actually do a pretty good job of leveraging the receiving weapons that he has, not only Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, who I think will take a pretty big step forward in his second year. We also have the additions of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, uh, who I think should be upgrades on what Denver had last year. Uh, and then also Melvin Gordon, 
uh, who is, I think, at least for his size, uh, an above average receiving back. So I'm fairly optimistic on Drew Locke uh, at uh, 3,400 uh, or 3,450. I just, I think that number is too low by maybe 300 yards. I am, I'm at 3,601. I'm with you. I would lean toward the over here. I will say this though, I'm at 95% uh, projected drawback. So that may be optimistic depending on what you think about Locke. But uh, I think he's, I think Locke is one of the biggest wild cards in the NFL this season. I honestly do. I mean, that, uh, the team is ready around him. I know the offense is young, but they have the skill position players there with Sutton and uh, Sutton, Gordon, Lindsey. Of course, you mentioned the, the rookies there, uh, Hamler and Judy. I love Noah Fan. The offensive line, uh, even without James, with James opting out, I think is okay. And the defense, I mean, Vic Fangio is his best defense since he was in Chicago back in 2018. That could be a top five unit. So uh, that Denver is a really intriguing team. Locke is interesting. And I'll tell you what, if he's even competent this year, I think he can get somewhere in the vicinity of this line and certainly get the Broncos to the playoffs. So uh, kind of a lot in there, maybe a little bit on, on the Broncos. Yes. To making the playoffs kind of thing or the, or the over, which I like for them too, but I would lean toward the over here if I had to make this bet, but it makes me nervous because we know guys, the history of second round quarterbacks, not so hot in the NFL. Yeah, certainly a, a wide range of outcomes here. And if it didn't work out, you can easily imagine how we get to that point. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I can, I can see the case for the under here. Uh, Mike, Give us your second favorite season-long prop. Uh, number two. Okay, we're going to go back to the underwell here. And uh, this is tough because I've been a little bit of a DeAndre Hopkins uh, apologist, if you will, based on some of the football Twitter pushback, if you will, and on his projections and his fantasy appeal for this season. I think he'll be fine. And, you know, I do think that his target share will come down a little bit from Houston. But he still, I think, will get enough volume to be a, a top fantasy receiver. That being said, his touchdown reception line is eight and a half right now at Caesars. I think that is too high. Uh, you might think, okay, Hopkins has been a superstar. He's been terrific as pretty much his whole career in fantasy at, you know, top five, top three option for the most part. And still he has been under seven touchdown catches in four of his seven NFL seasons. So he hasn't really delivered high end numbers at times in that category. And that by the way, is with two missed games during them seven seasons and a rate around 148 targets per season. That's massive volume. And still he was not getting up in this, in this vicinity most of the time. Uh, also he's going to a Cardinals offense that scored 53% of their touchdowns through the air last season. That was fourth lowest in the NFL. Perhaps that'll regress a little bit with the new, uh, you know, the new personnel in that offense. That's fine, but that's something to think about. And also guys, the last nugget here, it's a high bar to get to only six receivers reach nine touchdowns uh, in 2019. So my projection 7.7, still a, a decent number, a generous number, enough for him to be a top five fantasy wide receiver, but eight and a half, just too high for me. I'm a little even more pessimistic than that. I have him at 7.1 touchdowns, which is probably too low. But, uh, Sean, I'd like to get your thoughts on Hopkins. Yeah, I have him at 7.1 as well. I love the pick. It, I, it just missed my cut. So glad we got to talk about it. But, yeah, I agree. You know, for a team that runs so many four wide receiver sets and doesn't really, you know, they're not going to generate many passing touchdowns. Um, I love this pick. Uh, again, I think Hopkins is still one of the top five receivers in the league. But his presence will probably open up uh, Christian Kirk a lot more. I've always felt Christian Kirk was better suited for a number two uh, role anyway. So I think he'll make the offense better, but it won't come via, you know, touchdowns to him. So I love the pick. Sticking with the Cardinals, my next uh, pick is uh, Dan Arnold over 25 and a half uh, receptions. Just kidding. Um, no, my next pick is uh, Justin Jefferson under five and a half receiving touchdowns. Um, the, the price is it, it dropped to minus 136. I still like it at that price. Um, and before, you know, betting on rookie props, I like to at least put my projections in historical context. And there, there's been 33 wide receivers drafting the first round uh, since 2010, and only nine have scored six or more touchdowns. So that's a 27% uh, rate. Um, and you could definitely argue that Justin Jefferson, he's going to land in the above average situation. Um, in, in terms of potentially being the number two wide receiver out of the gate. This is still a run-heavy offense. I'm projecting Kirk Cousins for a league average 25-and-a-half passing touchdowns. He'll, he'll have to compete with Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, and Irv Smith in the red zone, and, you know, Dalvin Cook, of course. So, you know, I think this projection is a bit too high. Um, I have it closer to four-and-a-half, which, which, you know, again, putting it in historical context would still put Justin Jefferson – you know, the top third in terms of first round rookie wide receivers. So 
he's a guy I like his long-term potential in dynasty formats and, and whatnot. But, you know, when it comes to his rookie season, a prop like this, it's usually uh, advantageous to take the under. So, so I like the under five and a half receiving touchdowns for Justin Jefferson. I have Jefferson at 4.8 receiving touchdowns. Raybon, uh, I'm curious where you have him and what your thoughts are on the prop. I have Jefferson at – I'm imagining it's got to be lower just because I don't see that offense throwing a whole lot. Um, I, I think they're going to – even though Stefanski's gone, I think they're going to continue to be pretty run heavy uh, just, you know, given the way they're built. So, yeah, I have Jefferson um, at three and a half. So, yeah, I'm way <laughs> under. Uh, give us your second favorite player prop for 2020. So it's another, uh, you know, touchdown leader one. And again, like I, I would never bet overs on pretty much any 50-50 prop. So like any touchdown prop, like, you know, even if I had Jefferson at, you know, seven touchdowns, I, would, I still wouldn't touch the over because I think it's – I just think they're bad bets. There's not a lot of upside on betting the over. And then there's, you know, there's just full downside. And then um, it's not really – that great to, to bet the under either because you're it's just still a 50 50 prop that you're waiting like six months for so you know that that's where i am on that i want the the, the great odds so i i think marvin Jones. i think both of the detroit receivers really but i'll go with jones because he's cheaper and he's kind of being swept on in fantasy as well but um to lead the league in in receiving touchdowns at 33 to 1 and um the thing about jones i think people you know probably say hey he only actually scored in a few games because he had four touchdowns in one game. Um, but uh, you look at what Jones has done just in his career, and he's had some some huge touchdown seasons. He's been a high-variance player, and that's exactly what you want. And also, a lot of people are kind of overlooking just how much the the scheme changed last year for, for Matthew Stafford in, in Detroit with Daryl Bevel. And we don't think of Daryl Bevel as like this guy that's opening things up, but Matthew Stafford went from a, a 7.9 A dot to a, a, a you know a top two a dot at ten point six uh, last year. Now he only played eight games, so we didn't really, we kind of forgot about him a little bit. Um, but this was a guy that was you know routinely putting up um, three hundred yard passing games, and uh, you know he threw nineteen touchdowns. So I think there's a there's a good chance that like if Matthew Stafford is healthy for a full year, um, that that Gowdy and Jones are going to be right back near the top of that that leaderboard and put up uh, big numbers. So I'm going with Jones uh, at thirty three to one to lead the league in TDs. I like that one. I mean, one of the things that he definitely has going for him is that Stafford has the willingness to throw the ball down the field, uh, which, you know, if, if things skew just a little in his direction could, uh, could result in some extra touchdowns. The guy I have as uh, my second favorite prop is Ben Roethlisberger. Again, uh, I'm hitting those overs. And I think it's a situation similar to what we saw with Cam Newton uh, in the prop that Sean mentioned where there's something of an injury discount uh, or an injury penalty that's being factored into the prop. So uh, I'm kind of combining and looking at two props here. Uh, the over of 3,800 and a half yards passing uh, and the over of 25 and a half touchdowns passing. Uh, I just think those numbers are too low historically based on what Roethlisberger has done when he's been healthy. Uh, he's gone over 3,800 yards uh, in each of the past six seasons, not counting 2019, of course, when he played only two games. And he's gone over 25 and a half touchdowns in five of those six years. Uh, I'm projecting for this to be closer to, uh, I mean, like 4,400 yards, 28, 29 touchdowns. Maybe I'm being optimistic here, but I don't even need to be all that optimistic, I think, for the, the overs here uh, to hit. So uh, I, I think that uh, these numbers are being dragged down by uh, potentially the idea that Roethlisberger plays only 12 games or only 13 games, which like maybe that happens. You know, Roethlisberger will probably be 14 to 15 games, but I think even if he's only 14 games, he probably hits the over on 3,800. So 3,800 uh, and then add in the, the touchdowns of over 25 and a half. That one I'm not quite as – on board but uh, I still I, I still think there's value there but uh, Mike I want to get your thoughts on Roethlisberger I like it I like it uh, it was certainly the passing yard so my projections at 14.3 games played and I have them at 3875 in terms of passing yards remember this was the pass heaviest offense in the NFL the season before uh, you know he obviously in 2018 last season he, he barely played so 
uh, that's something to keep in mind. Love the uh, passing uh, yardage. As for the touchdowns, I'm at 25.2. So that one's a little too close for comfort. Uh, but again, that's a 14.2 game. So if you if you want to inject some confidence, he gets to 15 or even 16 games, then yeah, I mean, certainly he would go over this number. And by the way, just to rewind, I should have thrown this in before, but I thought it was interesting uh, on the Marvin Jones prop. Marvin Jones went down with, uh, for, uh, with the injury last season. He missed the last three weeks. At that point, Kenny Galladay led the NFL in touchdown catches with 10. Marvin Jones was tied for second with nine. And that was with Matthew Stafford missing five of those games. So uh, just to your point that uh, obviously there's a lot of touchdown volume in that uh, Lions passing game. Mike, I want to get your uh, your number one prop for the season in a second. I, I see Sean over there, uh, you know, kind of moving his head around when we're talking about Roethlisberger. Sean, it seems like you might have some thoughts you want to talk about with Big Ben. I'm probably not on the over. I get it. If you think he's going to, he's going to play at least 15 games. Um, and all reports seem like his elbows on issue when it comes to big Ben, the, the one thing I'm worried about is his defense could be elite. You know, I, I think that could be one of the best defenses in the league. So we might not see the, the same old Ben where he's, you know, throwing over 600 times. So that's my only caution with that. But I, I do agree that um, oftentimes injury luck is kind of overblown so that's i can get behind the over but yeah i would say it's a good line okay interesting so you think i am way optimistic oh no no i would say way optimistic i I could see your point again i i'm similar to mike where i have him projected for 14.8 games and i still have him over uh in the yardage the the one thing that i'm probably in line with is probably the passing touchdowns I have that exactly at 26 and a half. So I I would agree with Mike that passing touchdowns would be the only market that uh, I'd probably stay away from with him. Okay. Mike, give us the number one player prop that you like for this upcoming season. All right. Well, I might have to go head to head with Raybon here because I'm going to go almost directly against one of his. Uh, Now, again, it's a little bit different because he was going 40 to one to for Cooper cup to lead the NFL in touchdowns, that's obviously more appealing than taking over seven and a half receiving touchdowns, which is what his line is at Caesars. I'm way on the under on this one, even at minus $1.20. Look, I get that he has produced touchdowns, but we have to look a little bit closer here. Six touchdowns in eight games in 2018, at 10 touchdowns in 16 games last season. That obviously would lean toward the over here if you're just kind of extrapolating those numbers. Um, but here's the thing is OTD during that span was 8.2 total in the two seasons. He was just way over his head based on the opportunity he actually had. Uh, in fact, last season, there was a 4.3 gap between his touchdown total and his OTD. That was ninth highest in the NFL. Uh, he actually only had six end zone targets. That was 36th in the NFL. He got five of those. Obviously, that's a rate that you would not expect uh, to continue. He only has 15 end zone targets in his career, which is a very low number. And again, sometimes when I, I throw data out like that people will say well he's good at scoring touchdowns history says that there's not really any players who are good at scoring touchdowns you'll see it in small samples like Odell Beckham's first three years or the absolute peak of Rob Gronkowski but even those guys come crashing back to earth we've seen that with Gronk during his, his final years in in New England we saw it with Odell Beckham as well that was a predictable fall in terms of touchdown production from him we see it time and time again volume is a skill snaps are a skill uh, being thrown the ball near the goal line, that volume, that's a skill just in terms of actually the ability to be better at others and scoring touchdowns, turning touches into touchdowns. It just doesn't seem to be there. So uh, I don't certainly would not buy that argument. Also, we have to mention this, his playing time took a huge dive in the final quarter of the season. Snaps plummeted, routes plummeted, target share down from 25 to 15%. And they went more with more 12 personnel packages, which we're going to see uh, again this season. So guys, I'm at 5.6 with my projection for uh, Cooper Cup. I'm down on him in fantasy. I think he's a borderline top 20 guy, but not a you know not the top 10 guy he was last season. But so again, the ga- that gap 5.6 to 7.5 for me that's super appealing on the under. Dynasty junkie that I am, I must ask this question. Uh, it seems like you're you're you would be saying that now is an optimal time to sell high on Cooper Cup. He had. Uh, along with Kenny Galladay, 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns last year, just one of two receivers in the league to do that. But uh, you are, you're pessimistic on what he could do this year, and he's, he's older than people think he is, given that he was 24 years old as a rookie. So in Dynasty, this could be the, the time to sell him. 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I mean, that's a good point you say about him being older than he appears, uh, which is another reason why you might want to field some offers. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's only a year younger than Robert Woods. Robert Woods feels a lot older because he was, what, 21 when the Bills drafted him. He's been around much longer. Four-year difference, actually, when, when those two entered the league. So yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a great time to, to be uh, exploring options. And All right, Sean, uh, thoughts on, uh, on the cup under there and then your, your number one. Yeah, the, the cup receiving touchdown market is fascinating to me. So I haven't projected 6.7. Uh, I do like the under 7.5, but DraftKings is offering 6. So I would, I would try to middle those. Um, you know, if you take the under 7.5 and over 6, um, if you get 6 exactly, you win one bet and you get a push on the other. You, you know, so th- there's a middle ground there. And I'm also with Raybon on the 40 to 1 to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. Again, I think this speaks to the range of outcomes that, that two books are this this far off where I have Cup ranked 12th uh, at wide receiver with my 6.7 receiving touchdown and the market on DK has them ranked uh, 26th. So that's, that's kind of how I first evaluate value in that market. So I think 40 to 1 uh, probably offers the most upside. But again, I, I think, you know, if if you like under seven and a half, you could also bet on the over six and try to bindle that as well. But the, my last prop, again, these are my favorite markets to bet on this time of year is the most receiving yards market. You know, last year I mentioned Chris Godwin at a hundred to one and that almost hit. Uh, unfortunately he got hurt and Michael Thomas had to, you know, have a career, uh, record breaking season, but you know, that came close. Um, I've already locked in Calvin Ridley at 90 to one. That value has evaporated. He's like 33 to 1 at most books. But uh, FanDuel has A.J. Brown at 50 to 1 odds right now. And I think that is just screaming value. That, that's the 24th best odds. Um, and I have projected 12th uh, in receiving yards. That's combining, you know, running backs and tight ends as well. So, you know, this, this is an over market. I, I'd rather bet on the upside and get the 50 to 1 on him. And plus, you know, we've talked about it with, with A.J. Brown as – you know, the receiving yards per catch at 20 and a half will absolutely go down this year. I have it closer to 15 and a half, but you know, I expect his volume to go way up. He really wasn't a full-time player until week 11. That was the first game where he played over 70% of the snaps. So if you look at the final seven games um, where he was, you know, averaging over 80% of the snaps, which is what we should expect this year, he was averaging 88 receiving yards per game. So that's 1400 yards over 16 game span. So I think he has potential in this market. Again, I think we need to think of different outs when it comes to these kind of things. And a situation where Derrick Henry misses time, well, you know, I think that will elevate the passing offense for the Titans. They will throw more. Uh, and that would play into this. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways that Antonio Brown offers enough upside to take him at 50 to one odds. Uh, and that, that's at FanDuel right now. Um, so uh, this is the market I like to attack the most. I think it has the most upside. And I think A.J. Brown is the guy to have at 50 to 1. Mike, I'd like to get your quick thoughts on A.J. Brown there. So, you know, on the one hand, you look at that offense and it seems like it's a, a very run-heavy unit that we're going to have moving forward. On the other hand, you look at what A.J. Brown did last year and he was so dynamic uh, and he feels like someone who could take a big step forward in his second season. And, and if that happens, you could see how he could compete for uh for most receiving yards so where are you on this yeah this is t- a tough one i mean 50 to 1 i'm i'm totally fine with i get that uh i just i think it's gonna be a really tough path to get there i mean i, I know i'm speaking the obvious but there's you know there's a few things i mean first of all when from week 12 on last season he led the nfl in uh, receiving yardage but that took a 15 and a half yards per target i think we can all agree we're all reasonable people here that his efficiency is gonna plummet and it could still be very good but it's gonna plummet from where it was last season uh, and you look at, I mean, when he was leading the NFL in receiving yards, that was on 39 targets. The other guys right behind him, 56, 71, 66, 63, 69. I mean, there were some high target totals, which shows you just how reliant he was on that efficiency, which uh, uh, which obviously is problematic long-term. And the other thing I'd say is if you look at the overall receiving yardage leaders last season, you and Michael Thomas, who obviously a historic season, but even after that, Julio Jones, pass-heavy offense, Chris Godwin, high volume, playing from behind, pass-heavy offense, Travis Kelsey, extremely pass-heavy offense. Devontae Parker, they were forced to throw. Keenan Allen, the Chargers were pass-heavy until the final month when they switched coordinators. Kenny Galladay, again, behind, and they lost their last nine games. They were throwing a ton, pass-first offense. Even Amari Cooper, I mean, Dallas was 
a, a mid-range. They weren't run heavy last season. They were a mid-range team with Kellen Moore calling the play. So that's something I don't expect from Tennessee. You know, unless if the wheels fall off, they're going to be a run-first, low-volume passing game sort of offense. It's another, I think, a red flag. So maybe that's an argument on the under on A.J. Brown for certain categories. But, again, a 50-1, to 1, if the guy – proves to be a superstar in the NFL, it's possible he gets a huge target share and, and goes off this year. So that's uh, uh, a long way of saying I'm okay with it, but I'm maybe more <laughs> pessimistic than Sean. All right, Raybon, give us uh, your final prop here for the 2020 season. I'm looking at uh, the the rushing yard leaders, and I, I really like, um, you know, I, don't, I would never, again, I would never bet on any running back to do any, like to, to go over any, you know, 50-50 prop, but um, you know, we talked about on the on the serious show how there are, there's a lot of value I think in the in these running back props, and I really like Kenyon Drake uh, at twenty to one to lead the league in rushing yards because it's one where there are there are kind of a few backs in the league that are going to get a workload that can even allow them to lead the the league in rushing yards. And you look at Kenyon Drake and what he did over the the last couple of games, and more importantly, how he was used, and he really got almost every carry for that backfield uh, down, you know, in the, in two of the last three games, he had, um, you know, 24, he had a 22 and, and DJ and, and Edmonds were both active. So in, in those games, explosive runs. And, you know, that's another thing I think you need, you can't just be a, a guy that's going to kind of get, you know, four yards every time. So I think that Kenyon Drake is like on the short list of guys that, uh, that I would have to lead the league in rushing. So I'm going with Drake at uh, 21. All right, so the uh, the final prop that I'm going to highlight here, uh, not a surprise, teased it earlier, Cam Newton smashing the over on the passing yardage uh, and then also over on the the touchdowns. Sean touched about the uh, – the Sean talked about the, uh, the yardage total earlier. Uh, there's also the prop for 19 and a half touchdowns passing, uh, which, uh, again, I think is coming with some sort of injury penalty or, or the baked-in assumption – that uh, Newton is going to play uh, only 12 games or, or thereabouts. Uh, and the, the over uh, for uh, 2,950 yards passing, I think also has that same assumption. Uh, I'm looking at Newton, assuming that he's going to start in week one. Uh, I think if he starts in week one, he plays well enough to keep the job. Uh, I think he will you know, be more or less uh, the Cam Newton as a passer that we've seen previously. Uh, and so I think that puts him – well above the numbers that we see here. I would project something closer to, uh, to honestly, like 3,800 yards as opposed to the 2,900 yards that we see here. And I would put him closer to 26 touchdowns passing uh, versus the 19 and a half uh, that we see here. Mike, I'd like to get your thoughts on Cam Newton and both, and I should just say, I'm investing in, in Newton everywhere. Uh, in, in fantasy, I'm investing in him. And in this market right here, I'm investing in him. And uh, if he weren't so overpriced for MVP or something like that, you know, like I'd maybe invest in him there. But in any reasonable market, uh, I, I'm looking to invest. Mike, what do you think about these props here? Yeah, I, I like it. Look, if he if you think he's going to start week one, then you're in on this. I mean, it's I think it's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, look, look at his first eight seasons in the NFL. He missed only five games with probably – would surprise people that it's only five games, but he was over this passing yardage total in all of them, all eight seasons. He was under the, pa the passing touchdowns make me a little more nervous. He was under in three of those. And obviously he uh, will add a lot of value with his, with his legs. We'll run some touchdowns in. So I'm not as confident in the 19 and a half, but uh, the passing yardage total, absolutely. All reports indicate he's going to be the guy he's going to be the starter. So it's just too low. I mean, it's, it's not factoring in the likelihood that he's going to play 13, 14, 15 plus games this season, like pretty much all props are for other quarterbacks. So absolutely love the over on the passing yards. All right. This was, uh, this was great stuff, uh, especially because, Mike, you, uh, you agreed with me uh, on a number <laughs> of mine. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, we had to listen to uh, – or we got to listen to, to Raybon uh, admit that uh, this Cam Newton prop uh, on the over was one that uh, you, should, you should probably take a little nibble on. And uh, any time, Raybon – I didn't go that far. I didn't go that no, far. Yeah, I think but, it's just a wide range of outcomes. It's not, but, I mean, it's not wrong. 
My favorite part was when I made up that Dan Arrow prop. Uh, Raybon's reaction was like, wait, where can I find this? It was, Very nice. like, it was pure joy. It, it really was. <laughs> I'm over, I'm over that, that, that fake line you made up, whatever it was, 25. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll settle it offline, but I think, <laughs> I think we could come at, arrive at something. All right, Mike, what content of yours should people be sure to check out at ESPN? Sign up for ESPN Plus, obviously. Uh, that's where a lot of my content is. So I'll be pumping in content throughout the season and uh, have an NFL preview coming up. We have our, our overall staff NFL preview and just wrote a ton of fantasy content over the past couple of months. So uh, ESPN Fantasy, ESPN Plus, at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm excited, guys. We're just, uh, well, we got a two weeks left here, less than two weeks till the season opener. So it's going to be fun. All right, Mike, fantastic stuff. Thanks for being on the show. And as Mike said, you can follow him on Twitter at MikeClayNFL. All right, in our next NFL episode, we are going to take one final look at our fantasy football rankings for 2020. Keep an eye out for that. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.